Never had it so good. 101.1 radio, the best R&B and hip hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. 
Talk Radio with the best host in the business. Sports Talk Radio, every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1. And it's 24-7, the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshaies is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshaies has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshaies. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. You know I love music, and every time I hear something hot, it makes me want to move, it makes me want to have fun, but it's something about this joint right here, this joint right here, it makes me want to...
Hello. Can you hear me, Cheryl? Hello, I Cheryl. You. Okay. I can, hear you. can you hear me? All right. Okay. All right. Let me see if I can get everybody back. I'm going to play some music while I work on it, Cheryl. Okay. You know I love music. And every time I hear something hot, it makes me want to move. It makes me want to have fun. But it's something about this joint right here. This joint right here, it makes me want to... Let it go. Can't let this thing cold up. Continuing to do things that are 
not in their best interest. Uh, here in Orlando, we had a, a boyfriend and girlfriend get into a road rage incident where they were running each other off the road. And we just seem to be inundated by young adults just not knowing the right way to behave. And uh, so seemingly as we go into this new year, you know, what kind of new perspective can we bring to to the table to make us feel positive about the things that we're doing to create a better environment, not only for the 80% who understand right from wrong, but also making, making some inroads into making life better for the 20, 15 to 20% who seem to just want to be live in a, in a, in a, in a drama environment. Good evening, everyone, and how's everyone doing this evening? You know, as I um, listened and read some of the articles about, you know, some of the things that's going on, the first thing that kind of came to my mind is self-love, is that, you know, so many of them that I see are depending on others to make them feel good and in such a way that they're looking forward to. But we can't look to others for our happiness. We have to start, we have to begin to love ourselves. Because if we don't love ourselves, then what do we have to offer the next person? And this relationship, you know, we have to recognize toxic relationships before they even get started. You know, we hear about the red flags that go up. And if we don't know who we are and what we are looking for out of life, then we find ourselves in these toxic relationships and we get so comfortable and that we don't leave them or don't know how to leave them. And I think, you know, it's a lack of loving ourselves knowing how to love who we are and knowing what we will accept in our lives. And clearly you can tell now from what I understand from reading the article, the young lady has some kind of mental problem. So now what is he expecting from someone out of a relationship with a mental condition And what is he now bringing into the relationship? Because I heard, you know, and read that he strangled her, if not, you know, days before this or previous time. So you have two toxic people getting together or either one toxic person that is bringing on these things into the relationship with the other is now taking a part of being a willing participant. So you can tell that we are not we don't have standards. We are not being taught. We are we not willing to be teachable. And we have to look at the environment in which we are surrounding ourselves in. So I find that, you know, that we can eliminate that number down even more if people begin to love themselves and not put themselves in an environment 
gets toxic. You know, know how to walk away. And and it's so important that when we talk about you, you bring up that term about toxic relationships. Our body's just not made to be stressed out and and full of drama all the time. And when you cannot see where you need to um, to pull back and stop behaving in a way that's going to cause you problems. Like, I, you know, one of the things that I do is I know that I'm not going to go any further than conversation. There, There is no way at all that I'm going to get involved in any kind of physical confrontation with anybody unless they put their hands on me. You know, I mean, if you put your hands on me, then, of course, I have to evaluate what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it. But when you have people who are willing not only to put their hands on each other, but to get in their cars and use their cars as battering rams, you have to ask yourself, why are these people lost so much control over their, their emotions that they're unable to say enough is enough? I mean, at some point, you have to be gain some control over your emotions to keep yourself from going places where you can destroy your 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 freedom and destroy your life. Uh, so, uh, D, when we're talking about emotions and as we go into this next year, what people need to do in order to gain control over their emotions, see that there has to be a place where you will never go. Well, good evening, everybody. Um, I was a tad bit late coming on. Um, and I wasn't able to um, visual, uh, visualize the uh, the link that you sent, being as though that I'd be out in a, in a working environment and don't have the streaming uh, capabilities like I, I, well, I would hope to have. Just, let me just share okay. with you, D. Um, okay. There was a road rage incident that took place in Sanford, Florida, uh, a couple of days ago, if not yesterday, uh, a day or two ago. Uh, and initially, the police thought, thought it was road rage where this girl uh, pushed this man's car off the road, and he ended up running into the, to a tree, and she left the scene. But um, after some uh, investigation, they found out that these were people involved in a relationship, and that this young man had uh, recently... Uh, testified or gave information about the fact that he had choked the young lady and this may have been revenge. And so I'm just saying, uh, I was saying to Cheryl, as we try to, to get to the point where we save this 15 or 20% of people who mm-hmm. seem to live in a world of drama and of violence, how do we get them to see that there has to be a line that you draw where you don't get involved in this, this ignorance. A lot of times mm-hmm. people just talk about, you know, you know, don't play with me because I'll go off, I'll explode. But mm-hmm. I'm not understanding, exploding does nothing but put you in a worse position. So we're not, mm-hmm. and we don't have the freedom as a, a society to go around exploding on each other. Mm-hmm. 
Well, uh, and, th- and thank you for the recap of that, James. And uh, uh, and I did hear I did hear Miss Cheryl' response in in full, and her response in full actually really explains all of it. But uh, to piggyback on that, it's, it's important that I stress because let, let me let me tell you how I can I'm able to uh, uh, e- elaborate on what you're saying. Um, un- unfortunately, and but then in some ways, fortunately, I'm a person of the streets, and I have and and. That and 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 with in conjunction with my age of being sixty two, my next birthday, I've been around long enough to see society evolve in some kind of way. And so, with all that Miss Cheryl has said, let me say to you that we, as a culture, now as a black culture, that's my primary. That's my that's one of my primary interests. As a black culture, as a black culture, we have a fundamental problem. Fundamentally, we have a problem from the very, very basics. Michelle spoke about how, um, and you did also, James, how we lack the capability to evaluate, and we've never been taught. And this generation that you're speaking of never been taught how to evaluate as opposed to reacting to everything. Now, one of the one of the issues of this problem is, and I keep going back to this, and I think it's very important that we look at this, is the era that this generation was brought up in, the snapping era. I'll snap on you. Uh, don't play with me because I'll snap on you. That goes along with being... I, I, I won't. I refuse to be punked out. As you say, if I evaluate the situation, that means that I have to um, set aside my emotions. I have to turn the other cheek and then go about my business, even though you may have humiliated me. And this generation don't have the temperament to do that. I, I did see uh, your text, and that reminded me of the generation and the, the music culture of today. Back in the 90s, uh, there was a culture that was uh, very comfortable in when they go out, when they go out to party. See, when we went out to party, even when I went out to party, if I indulged in alcohol and marijuana, at least I went out to have a good time, per se. This generation, a good time is causing conflict. That's a good time. Even in the music. You know, if you listen to the music of of, of yesteryear, the, the music was intended for uh, a, one person to get with another person in a way of romance. And today's music, it's all about conflict. Even in the music in the 90s, it was all about tearing the club up. Tear the club up, uh, and 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 today's uh, generation they take things literally. It's all about tearing the club up. It's all about coming to find you if you wrong me. I'm gonna come find you. And so fundamentally, 
And, you know, I got to say that the clergy has a huge responsibility. Now, you and I and Ms. Cheryl and anybody else that come on this program, we know what it is that we must do. But even the clergy has a has a responsibility to simplify what it is that young people should be trying to do. It's easy to say that you've got to have faith. It's easy to say that you've got to come to church. It's easy to say that you need to know the Lord and, and trust Jesus. But fundamentally, they don't know what that means. So we got to start over in that way to better explain. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Williamson, let me just ask yeah. you, you know, we're talking about the lives of young adults and how freely they seem to give themselves uh, away or give their freedom away for just an, an opportunity to prove a point to somebody. And this particular incident where this young girl probably got abused and assaulted, but she felt as though she had to have the last word. So now this man, she done ran him into a tree. He's dead. And she is, the system is not going to allow her to walk free. So she is now at the age in her 20s, but she now has to spend several years, if not a decade or more, because she didn't know how to control her emotions. How do we go into this new year trying to help young adults control their emotions? Well, I, uh, first of all, um, good evening, everybody. Um, second of all, I spent 23 years in the United States Army. And the first thing they taught to me is to be accountable for your actions. And I think that's what we got to go back to basics of being accountable for your actions. Because when I was in Iraq, I did uh, two deployments in Iraq. And on a daily basis, I saw violence to, um, that I would never want to see. But I had to use self-discipline and self-control because every day was about payback. Every single day was about payback. But, it, but at the end of the day, I had to ask myself that question, what it's going to cost me or what it's going to cost somebody else. And we got to get back to basics. You know, we have to start getting back to the point of taking, if one person just take another person by the hand and just, just start mentoring. And that's what it's about. It's about mentoring. Um, I heard somebody say about the clergy and everything. I said, trust in Jesus and everything like that. I'm also in the ministry and you're absolutely right. We have to teach um, the youth what does that, exactly what that mean, meaning that we have to be an example about what we do and how we do it and be patient because a lot of these young people don't have no guidance. They don't have no mentors and a lot of them probably don't even have their parents in their lives. If they do, the baby one and that one parent may be still angry at the other parent. So we have to get back to basics and start a foundation of discipline and, and, and get back to right and wrong. Cause we do live in a society, especially in the black community, we got to one-up each other. We always have to one-up each other. And it's, a, and it's a cycle that it has to be bought up, bought up and bought out. we got to stop being so sensitive and get straight to the point because everybody's feelings get hurt. we got to get to the point that we gotta be, we got to stop being punks about stuff and let's be real about what needs to be done. And, like, in my, I, I, I have three sons. And one thing uh, my sons will say that they have never seen me go from woman to woman. They ain't never see me go out there starting fights. They ain't never see me out there cussing nobody or anything like that because I realize I have a responsibility to them. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm trained. I'm not raising men. I'm training men, and that's the key thing. 
we have to learn how to train the young people to be productive citizens in this in this nation, in this culture. And we got and we got and we got to take back our culture. We got to take back our neighborhoods, but one person at a time. We can't we can't take it one street at a time. We have to take it one person at a time. And we see and we to the point now. When I was a kid, and a lot of y'all fell my age group, I'm in forty six. When you went out in the streets and did something wrong, it wasn't no issue for a grown person to correct you and then tell your parents. These days, we to the point we can't even correct somebody without getting in a fight or anything like that. So we gotta get back to basics and be real about it and call it out for what it is. But it seems to be, uh, Mr. Williams, it seems to be these 15 to 20% of our community seems not only not to um, value the lives of others, but don't even value their own lives. Because when you get in the midst of violence, at the moment you get into a violent situation, your life is just as much at risk as the person you are. are are looking to hurt and you uh, one or two things are going to happen just like in this case somebody ends up dead and somebody ends up in prison so here we are is we got 10 or 15 percent of our population who seemingly don't understand or see the value in their own lives you know the sad thing about what you just said they don't see the value in their own life. I know when I was young, I didn't see the value in my own life when my father had died. And at the time, me and my mom, we wasn't getting along. Thank God she's my best friend now. But I had other people in my life was telling me how valuable I am. And, you know, and but it was one of those things that, that seed had to be sold on a daily basis. Not not just one day out of a year and hearing that because that's not going to work. We have to go out of our way and it's going to take more than one person to implement that seed and let them know, hey, you are worth something. You are worth something. At the same time, if they're wrong, we got to call it out for what it is, you know. And we have to we have to gain back the discipline. And we it's just it's just a discipline. It's a lost foundation in the African American families because it's, because most families that's in the African American culture are dysfunctional, and that's fine. So we need to get back to the fact, okay, whoever this young person around need to make sure that they're around somebody who's going to hold them accountable at the same time, teach them, pat them on the back when they're doing right, but at the same time, put boots in their butts when they're doing wrong. We have gotten away from that because it's like we have that crap mentality. And in our age group, we have to be the example so they can have an example because they don't have no examples for them to follow by. Like you say, uh, so I heard somebody say I mentioned like the music and everything like that. That's, those are the examples they're following. But the truth of the matter is, it's the everyday common person that you're going to see every day that you run into. And that's one of the reasons why I joined the military, because I grew up watching John Wayne. You know, because I didn't, I didn't know when I was growing up about a whole lot of different black people um, been in the military until I heard about the Tuskegee Airmen, who, who, who today is my hero. When I found out about them, I wanted to be like them. I did not want to let them down because of the things that they've been through who made it a perfect way for me. So anytime I see uh, a veteran, especially an African-American veteran, I, I don't just shake their hands. I hug them and I say, thank you for what you've done because you paved the way for me. So we got to get back and teaching our children our history 
and what we have came from and what will we need to go. Uh, Regina, let me ask you, you, you work with middle school or not, I mean, elementary school kids. And now we're talking today about young adults who are creating these toxic environments for their children. And then their children are coming in these classrooms displaying some of the outrageous behavior they see their parents displaying, thinking the only way to communicate is to communicate through ugliness and through violence. And so how do we, again, as we go into this new year, how do we save this 15 to 20% of people who seem to live their lives full of drama? Um, you know, I, I I guess when I when I left and went on vacation, I didn't know the answers to some of these things, and trying to keep up with with the news and things while I was away, I, I still I still don't know the answers. Um, we have various programs in school. We have loving teachers who who try to talk with the children on um you know individually and and speak some common sense reality conversations with the children and it it, it works if it's done consistently but then the problem we have is that we go they go back into the same environment and then they come back and they have to be reprogrammed again. So I guess we just have to be consistent with what we are doing, and we have to always seek individuals to pull into the village to help. For instance, someone who's there when the children go home, well, you need that neighborhood entity. You almost need the children to be surrounded, and the only time they're not surrounded by positive people is those six or seven hours when they're asleep. So then they get up, get on the bus, they come to school, have the positive people in the neighborhood, go home, go to sleep, get up, go to, you you see what I'm saying? Because it's almost like sometimes we can't depend on the home to do it because it's not being done in a lot of situations, for whatever reason. And, and Andre, we, we heard Cheryl talk about toxic. How do we get people to recognize that they're in a toxic relationship and that there's no good going to come out of it, and that they have to be strong enough and mature enough to get their way away from it so that they don't fall prey to it? Because now you have this situation where this young lady has ran this man off the road, he's dead, and now she has to pay. And certainly her life is going to be ruined if she happens to get 10 or more years in prison for this vehicular homicide where she used her car as a deadly weapon. Well, fantastic family Friday to everyone. Joyce and I are are here together for the next few minutes on this line. And uh, before I answer that question, James, let me 
go back and thank the gentleman um, that has provided service to our uh, our country. Thank you for that. And even uh, more importantly, I would think, thank you for being a role model. I really like the fact that you, you're saying that, you know, you're training up men and uh, serving in a positive role model of not only uh, sharing what should be do, do, done uh, properly, but you're also demonstrating it. So thank you very much for that. And uh, James, as it relates to answering the question, how do we help people to uh, recognize that they're in a toxic relationship, I would think that um, we show ourselves friendly, uh, being both friends and family members, and uh, we discuss it and share it. And I think people know each other well enough to know that you may tell me something that I may not like and I may not even agree with, but because I know that you're for the good, the intention of your heart is for the good, I'm going to listen and consider that. Uh, but because we are adults, we all make our own choices. But I think if we go about it the way in which, which we know that's best for that particular person, we'll help them to uh, make a choice that's best for them in the long run. So I'm going to turn it over to Joyce, too, since we're using the same line, if that's okay. Oh, she's going to pass. She's just going to listen. So um, that's my response. And Cheryl, let me go to you and say to you, we live, the majority of us, and I'm going to use the term majority uh, because I don't know the true number, but I'm going to say the majority of us go through life not having to deal with senseless violence on a regular basis. Uh, at 57 years old, I have not known uh, anyone hitting me in my face or running into my car or scratching my car, uh, any of those kind of things where people suggest that they love you, but they can't control their emotions. So why is it that we live in a society where we're constantly hearing there's a large percentage of men and women who, who participate in these kind of behavior on a regular basis? And why is it they can't see that, that their relationship is toxic and move on uh, before they kill each other. You know, we've heard the um, the saying many a times. It's easier for people to see our relationship, and more and more difficult for us to see what we're in because we're in it. You know, we ask that question all the time. Why does she not see what this man is doing? Why does he not see what this woman? Because they're the ones in the relationship, and it makes it more difficult. Um, let me tell you a little bit about me. I lived the latter part of my life with my daddy drinking, and as a result of drinking, he became very violent. And although, you know, we grew up in a home, very respectful um, we had, you know, manners was demanded. We, you know, we, this was not a choice. We went to church and I left home because of the violence in the household. My first relationship that I got into and got married, well, before I got married, um, and I lived with someone, I brought that violence into that relationship not knowing and not really understanding. But when I had my daughter, 
I made the decision that I didn't want her to see what I was brought up in. And because it started not to feel good. And what I did was I wound up leaving the relationship, meaning I left the house. I didn't necessarily leave the relationship, and I left while he was at work. And I had to, you know, talk to him for him to understand. I had to leave for me to get me together because what I was bringing into the relationship was contributing something that I did not want our daughter to witness. I don't have a problem with us continue working on it, the relationship together, but the main person, me, I had to work on. And not everybody cannot can see that, but for me, it didn't feel good. This didn't feel like I was showing somebody love. But all I knew is what I saw. And at some point it was like, why could I not control this? What I did was I had to separate myself from the situation. And sometimes that's what we have to do. We have to separate ourselves because, you know, sometimes we bring into a relationship, whether it's um, between couples, friendships, or whatever it is, is what we witness. In some households, there's cursing, there's talking loud. That's still a form of abuse because, you know, now you bring in verbal abuse. So we bring those things in, and with the parents really not knowing, because my mama and my daddy never knew what um, what was involved in my relationship. But I had to identify that for myself based upon the fact that they taught respect. They taught, you know, we, we went to church every Sunday, but there was something that just didn't feel good. It didn't add up. One and one was not equal into two. So the two people was not showing love, and because of that, that's how I made the decision. But not everybody can see that. You know, when we in a relationship, sometimes it's hard because we get comfortable. We don't want to leave because we think in our mind that it's going to get better. But I think that we as individuals have to constantly examine ourselves and examining what we're bringing in the household, especially when we have young children, because this can be the result of what they bring to society as they grow up. So that's just one of, you know, my self-experience and the violence that I brought, you know, into a relationship and why. Is anybody on the line? Yes, ma'am. I'm waiting. Uh, they may have yeah. audio. Okay. 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 How, how does drama become normal? How does evil become the, the display of the day? How do we how do we just learn to live with something that is so so foul uh, that it may end our lives? Well, Jane, you know, I, I I really got to elaborate on something that Miss Cheryl just said, and a couple of things that she said 
uh, makes perfect sense. One of which is the evaluation of oneself. It's vitally important. But I think what's more important in, on a global scale, especially from, from, my, from our perspective as a culture, is when she said that when, when, one, when people go to church or when we go to church and we hear the word of the Lord, but when we come out of church, things don't, still don't seem to add up. I think that's a very good point because we know now, we all know that the Lord's word is the same to yesterday, today, and forever. We know that. But I think where the where it don't add up is where is the delivery of the word. The way the word is being delivered to people, especially in today's time. Now, we've got to always come back to the fact that Somewhere along this journey, there is something that came about where the the basic understanding of right and wrong got dropped down to the wayside. So now we are almost in a barbaric state now. You know, it, it reminds me of the time when in the 60s, we as black people, we had a common interest. And that common interest was to show the rest of the world that what? We are somebody too. And we all had that collective interest as, as, a, as a culture, as a black culture. Somewhere along the way, that common interest came to be none and void. We, went, we all started going our separate way. And now, within a 30-year period, we are in a barbaric state, just like something back in, in 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 the medieval times or something. So the the delivery of the word of Christ and the goodness of the Lord and how one needs to preserve themselves to have some kind of longevity in life, that message has to be reconnected. Because there's there's a disconnect there. Uh because, you know, these uh, today's young people they they burn their candles so fast all at one time where in, in the second half of life there's nothing left. That's why that's why we see so many people in jail because the the act of reacting to to the simplest um infractions seems to be so uh, it seems to be so extreme. So uh when Michelle says that it it's not adding up I think that's something to really be looked at. Why isn't it adding up? But I like also what Mr. Williams said, where mentorship, even on an individual basis, when when we leave out, when we leave this phone uh, conversation and go our separate ways, mentorship should be most and foremost on our mind. And I think that's a great start. Thank you. And I and I understand our need to intervene. Uh, but, Mr. Williams, I'm trying to figure out where did we get to the point where drama and violence became the the norm for so many people and that you can suggest that I don't love you if I'm not willing to beat you. I don't love you if I'm not willing to cuss you out. I'm not, I don't love you unless I'm willing to mistreat you. How did that become 
the display of love. You know what? And it and it and it goes back to when I was a kid. I came I came out of um alcoholic home. I watched my father shoot my mom, and I watched my mom stay in something destructive. Like she's my hero today. You know, in order to keep the family together. And about two or three years ago, my niece had an issue with her family. So she got jumped on by the girls. But the sad thing about the beating was the mom was out there instigating the fight. And it goes back to us. Right where we at right now, us, right right here at our age group in order to go back and say this is wrong. We have to admit where we were wrong at. We have to sit back and say, no, this is not right. Because I don't say people in many, in many cases saying, yeah, you know, I love you, I love you, I love you. But not one time have I ever heard a person say, I love myself. What has happened to loving yourself? Because if you love yourself, you will, you, you will think twice about taking a destructive path. Now, me, I seen violence when I was overseas, and that made me very aware of how short life can get. That's why I try to look at life from a different perspective. I'm not the type of person to try to look at the life, the glass half full instead of half empty. But again, we have to go back to what I said before, to the basics and saying, this is wrong. It goes back to being an example. Again, like I said, my sons never heard me talk down to no woman, talk bad about a woman, because my son's mother is a woman. My son's grandmother is a woman. My mama's a woman. And it, it starts from there. So I made a decision as growing up, I would never treat anybody the way my dad treated my mama, me, and my, and my other siblings. So it goes back to breaking those generational curses. First of all, recognizing that it is a generational curse. Speak out against it. Take that stand because a lot of times we don't like to take stands on stuff because a lot of stands are not popular. And people will try to justify the wrong that they do because nobody want to man up and say, I'm wrong. Because I had to learn that in the United States Army. Because it's, it's a few times I got in trouble in the Army, and I had to admit, yeah, you know what? I'm wrong. Even though the Army is telling me being wrong, I still had to accept the consequences of action. So that's what we've got to get people back to and saying this is wrong. But it starts with our age group and, uh, and showing the younger ones this is wrong. Because if we are sitting up here instigating fights, if we're sitting up here instigating men to treat women like hoes, if we're sitting up here instigating, uh, getting women to use their bodies to get everything they want to of their mind, then we are the issue. Not so much as them, the instructors, the examples. We are the issue. issue. So without, without, the Frankenstein, without Dr. Frankenstein, there's no Frankenstein monster. So we need to focus on first Dr. Frankenstein to get Dr. Frankenstein right so the monster could be right. All right, Regina, let me ask you again, you know, as we try to find solutions, how do we deal with the internal rage in ourselves? I know that I'm always trying to stay where where I draw the line at. I'm not ever going to become physical with anyone unless I'm not given any recourse. And so how do we treat people to understand that becoming physical and going and get a knife or a gun or using your car to display your 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 emotions is not a way to 
to do something that may is going to make it come out right. Because the more violent you become, the less likely the issue is going to be handled in a mature fashion. Well, um, I tell you, uh, D really, really, um, really hit a point, and and I, I'm not going to say struck a nerve because that's I think that's negative, but he really opened my eyes to something, and but he said, but and he was talking about being evaluative and evaluating before you speak, or or and that goes along with the word that I always say that we don't think. And I'm always telling children, you need to think. You need to think. But then I started evaluating myself and realized that sometimes I don't think or sometimes I don't evaluate, especially in situations um, dealing with, with my, well, in a group and I'm speaking and I know someone is just trying to, to egg me on and to just aggravate me, and I jump right back out there and do not think before I speak, and it goes to a, a tet a tet. It, you know, we're just going back and forth. We have to continue to teach our young people, but we have to practice it, thinking, evaluating before we open our mouths, thinking evaluating, thinking. At 53, I just admitted that I don't do it in a way that I should. So what do you think we have to impress upon these impressionable minds? So we have to continuously do that. We have to continuously do it and continuously teach them, think, think, evaluate, think. And I thank Dee for 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 um, bringing that to the forefront tonight. Um, Audrey, all of us uh, have suggested that we are believers and we believe in the word, but there is even violence inside the church. I mean, violence has found its way into the church, not only in the church facility, but in the homes of who swear that they are believers. So when we use or hear the term, turn the other cheek, it doesn't seem like a lot of people are following that and, and, and learning how to to uh, get rid of the violence by turning the other cheek and reducing uh, the situation. Are you there, Andre? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't hear the first part of it, uh, James. Well, I'm saying that violence has found its way into the church so much that we now have armed guards in the church, and then the violence mm-hmm. is finding its way into uh, the homes of those who call themselves believers. So what happened to mm-hmm. turning the other cheek? Um. I think it still exists in some instances, but we have to just remember that we we are living in a, a sin-filled world. Um, just because we're believers, that will not eliminate us from uh, encountering actions that occur in this world. But 
is how we handle them and how we respond to them and how we think. Regina said it very well. We have to think. Uh, sometimes we can determine scenarios in which we can mitigate or either completely eliminate by thinking it through uh, what are the chances of something occurring, you know, here if I go here versus somewhere else. And like you said, uh, at one point we thought that, wow, we would never have a, a person to come in and just, uh, do a massacre killing in a church of um, believers worshiping and that kind of thing. But yet we are experiencing that we're living in these times. Um, so uh, just because we are Christians, that don't mean that we're not faced with some of the things that goes on around us in this surrounding world, but we have to still, uh, you know, handle each situation to the best of our ability, uh, utilizing scripture. Yes. But, also uh, using the wisdom that the Lord has provided us, and sometimes that means protecting ourselves. But, uh, Audrey, how do we as individuals or as believers and as mentors help people to be able to draw a line to where they don't allow their emotions to cross into that danger area? We have to constantly work on it. Uh, we have to talk about it. We have to understand uh, the importance of it. And we really have to just um, have a, a, a something in place, if you would, to help us to know that if we have, we're faced with that situation, to help us to think it through before we act and respond on it. Because is it really worth it? And uh, I know uh, different ones have shared experiences uh, uh, of where they are on the journey at this stage of their life. I know I'm at a different place now. Some things that used to really just uh, really would aggravate me and, and push me to kind of push that person back. But now I look at it, you know, is it really worth it? Uh, and some people just not at a level in which I even w waste my time, if you would, um, discussing certain things uh, to a certain point. Uh, so before I, I reach that anger point that's for me, I try my I try my very best, and sometimes I'm successful. Sometimes I'm not. I'm human, uh, but I just try to make sure you know. Uh, okay, I hear what you're saying, and I appreciate that, and I try my best to walk away. Um, I was, uh, uh, Joyce and I were just talking um, and, and sharing with my sister that's here in in Florida that some of the things that we experienced when we went back to Mississippi, <clears throat> trying to finalized services for my brother and all, um, but guiding, if you would, some of the things uh, that it took in order to survive coming up. And we went back and said, my God, we can't even imagine some of this stuff that's so back, backwoods, if you would, or, or whatever. But the key to it all was knowing what to say, how to say it, when to say it, um, in order to survive. And, you know, Joyce and I have mentioned that on a couple of your programs, uh, the environment in which, which we're in, uh, you have to almost outsmart a person in, uh, in order to reach your goal. What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Because some things came up, and I could have gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with that person. I would have been right, but it it wouldn't have meant that I would have reached what I was trying to accomplish just because of the environment and where I was. So I had to strategically uh, uh, do some responses, some ways in which, you know, you kind of ask provoking questions um, such that you can still reach the goal that you're trying to without um, 
uh, offending anyone uh, and making sure respect is provided both ways, give and take. Mr. Williams, you, uh, Williamson, you said that you have three sons, and these sons are growing up in a world that seems to be full of unnecessary violence. How do you uh, help them to protect themselves and to avoid situations that might require them to act out in a violent manner? Well, for me, that's pretty easy because I spend a lot of time talking to them First of all, I give them room to talk, and that's the one thing I think that's that's a missing art when it comes to parent-children um, relationship. That parents are always doing the talking, but and not enough listening. So I allow um, my boys, as well as my two daughters, to talk because I'm explaining what they're saying and I care about what what they go through, and I share my experiences with them um, when I was right and when I was wrong, and let them know that they. I go out of my way to plant a seed in them, let them know that they have a calling on their life. God has given them a special calling, and the devil is going to do everything he can to deter them from their destiny. And I share with them a lot of the things that I've been through because um, I was one of those who had a hot temper. I was one of those who would strike first, think later. And in every single case, it always cost me something. So I thank God for using the United States Army uh, for saving my life. And um and I let them know um when I was in Iraq, uh I I had a choice to make. Do when to use my weapon and when not to use my weapon. Now now that now I'm talking when I'm talking about weapon, I'm talking about the M sixteen that they gave me. But also the other weapon I'm also talking about is my brain. My brain was my main weapon. I had to know when to use that, which was all time, because that kept me from firing on innocent people. And but I let them know that the world that we're living in is not the same world I grew up in. Protect yourself at all costs, but as a last resort, you know, fight. Not a first resort, not a middle resort, but a last resort. But at the same time, defend yourself. But at all costs, avoid the situation. If you see the situation getting out of hand, it's better to leave. I don't care what the crowd say about you. Don't let no crowd boost you up. You get yourself in no trouble because that same crowd that boosts you up Guy's gonna be there when you get there. You got to call me. Now we got to talk about why this got out of hand. So I spent a lot mm-hmm. of time. I spent a lot of time talking to them and sharing with them when I was a kid. When mom and dad told me not to do something and I did it anyway, what happened? Or when I was a teenager, uh, somebody told me don't go over there, and I went over there, and the police got involved. I'm very transparent when it comes to my children because. Parents have a bad habit of being holier than thou. Do as I say, not as I do, which is the wrong message. No, parents need to be transparent and let their kids know this is why I messed up that, so I don't want you to mess up that. You know, so that's the thing that I think we have to be. Um, the thing about it is, is that I take pride in my children's accomplishments. I'd be more proud of my children from running from a fight than going out there starting one or even finishing one. I'd be more proud of them helping somebody instead of hurting somebody. So that's, that's why I'm at. What can you do to build a situation? You know, not tear down a situation. What can you do to build somebody up, not tear them down? You know, so because um, I'm, I'm big on my children standing up against bullying. You know, and sometimes parents bully their kids. When I was growing up, the thing that I was told that 
you, uh, you're, you're a man. You ain't going to be in this crying and stuff like that. And when I became a man, I had to learn it was okay to cry. But when I came home from Iraq and Afghanistan, I cried many a night. I had to lose that mindset and that mentality that it wasn't okay to cry. And I t- had to tell my very same children, which I'm talking about today, that, you know what, Dad, I got to go get some help. Right now, I'm not right. I'm not, I'm not well, so I need to go get some help. So I start, once I started getting counseling and got, back in, and got myself back together, the things I learned in counseling, I also shared with my children. So parents just need to just be real with their kids and build them up instead of setting them up for failure. You know, That's uh, powerful. Cheryl, and, and I think... Go ahead, Audrey. I think you're, I, I think that's powerful, and thank you for sharing that. And um, we have to discern at what level and what degree we share with our children. But I think you, you're exactly right. It's very valuable for us to use our life lessons to help them in their life learning. And uh, I'm just so thankful to you, and thank you for sharing your story, and uh, thank you uh, for being um demand that you are having the courage to reach out and get help and uh now like you said you're in, you're in a position to not only help your immediate family but of course you're you're helping others thank you uh, Cheryl, appreciate let, that. Me, let, let me uh ask you you have a son and daughter and we don't want our sons and daughters to be uh doormat but at the same time we want them to not walk around with a a uh, chip on their shoulder, inviting people to knock it off. We have to live our lives in a a peaceful manner, so as to exist in harmony with the right vibes that uh, exist in our world. You know, we do, um, and and you write about you know with my children, and. Um, I try to share, and I, I say it over and over again, I try to share a lot with them. And when they're talking to me, I don't try to be there to tell them what to do. I want them to be able to call me and to be able to share anything and everything that they want with me. And they do. We do have a, um, a, a open line of communication where they feel comfortable sharing things with me without me being judgmental, without me telling them, you know, what they should do. But I also always tell, you know, let them know who they are, meaning that to love yourself, don't lose yourself in any relationship. But I don't tell them why they're telling me something, you know, about what's going on in the relationship because I don't want them to feel that I'm talking negative, you know, so I'll listen at that time. But when the time is appropriate, I'll always tell them no matter what, you know, never lose who you are. And and here again, you know, we are human, and I do let them know that how I lost myself, and I gave them an example. And there's been many a times of different things that I've done. You know, when I was sick for three years and couldn't be there for my um my last child, you know, I went to him and apologized to him, you know, because I didn't know if he really understood my illness and what I really couldn't do, or did he just think mama just didn't want to be there. 
But I had to go to him and apologize and said, you know, I only could only did what I was capable of doing at the time. But now I'm much better and I want to be there to participate in everything. So we have to show ourselves to them as though we are humans. You know, we can't act as if we do no wrong, that everything that we do is right. But if we can be more relatable to them, then it's a better chance of them understanding. Oh, I understand, you know, she really didn't want, um, she didn't mean to do what she did. And once she saw it, she changed what she did. So, you know, having that open line of communication, and not only that, all of my children, friends, call me mama. Now, I, you know, I don't know what happened, but it was that they're drawn because of me teaching and because I'm showing to them that I'm relatable, that they are important. And that's the biggest thing. What they're saying is important and that they are important. You know, so I, I get that, you know, from them. And I try to instill in them, you know, everything that I possibly could. But I also try to share with their parents so that when they leave my presence, that the parent can, you know, instill some things that they may have never thought about in their household that worked when they are in my presence. And the issue becomes that we need to make sure that sometimes – People say things that just don't make sense to me. You know, there are people who will say, uh, you can't never say never. There has to be some things that are absolute. And there has to be some things that you can say and you're committed to related to what you will not do. Uh, I will not uh, verbally abuse my wife. I will not physically abuse my wife. I will not get involved in unnecessary violence. Those have to be things that you are willing to be committed to. Um, uh, uh, There has to be some absolutes in your life so that you can uh, keep yourself out of danger. Are you there, D? RJ, what do you think about? Yes, uh, James, I'm sorry. Go ahead, James. James, I'm sorry. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, You know, we are, you all are are very special. You are a special group. It is hard to find somebody in this world that makes sense. So let me start where, uh, let me start what Mr. Whedon said first. Metaphorically, in order to, if you want a change in Frankenstein's monster, first you got to change Doctor Frankenstein. Okay, now you know what we are learning to do on a day-to-day basis is we are learning to um, be become defensive drivers. You know how it is when you when you're driving along the, along the, the byways on the highways. And if you want to make it home safely, you have to drive for yourself and the other person. You have to almost anticipate what the other person might do. 
That's the same that we have to do in society. Us knowing better now along this journey of life. And that's the other key point. You know, Miss Cheryl said it, Miss Audrey said it, and 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 Miss Regina has said it numerous of times. You know, as we go along this journey of life, the way I used to think, through my experiences in life, I've learned to think better now. But I'm the fortunate one. Sometimes we have to help other people when we when we come into in the presence of other people. We have to drive them dis- defensively, not to turn them off. Like Ms. Audrey say, we have to say things in a in that something that provoke better thought. We have to set an example in our conversation, Mr. Williams said, the art of conversation, the art of delivery. That's gonna make the mega difference in this in this day and time. Understanding that we live in a microwave society, everything got to be done fast, quick, and in a hurry. And if you don't do it fast, quick, and in a hurry, you're going to lose the small window of opportunity when it comes to attention that you're trying to obtain. So, in that small window that we're trying to make this delivery, we got to be able to say the right things without turning the receiving party off. Now. Lastly, when Mr. Williams said that when he came back from Iraq and he was and he observed that if you want to come back differently than when you came when you when you left, you got to do what? You got to get the necessary help. That's another key issue that we have in our own black society. We don't want to admit that we are human and we don't know everything. We try to fix ourselves bad place to be in because if, if you try to sponsor yourself and you got a fool for a sponsor, you're going to come out being the same way you was when you went in. So we got to come to a place in life where I don't know everything. Um, ask for the help that you want, that you need. And so with with the conversation that we're having, I think that when we come in contact with persons that – and we, we know who they are. We see them every day. They don't seem to know how to get out of their own way, let's say. Then it, it comes a time where we have to say uh, we have to uh, make preparation to make our point known in a better way. I don't know. I mean, not to be rambling, but uh, we got to change our delivery. And uh, I think that's, that's the point that I want to make. Thank you. And Cheryl, uh, when we're trying to address the issues of trying to make our society less violent, we have to bring that, we have to make people aware of the evil that exists in them and let them know that there's a better way to live, uh, that you don't have to be going through drama every time you turn around. You're right, but... um... In doing that, we have to present it at a way where we are not attacking them. Because if our delivery is not right and they feel attacked, they won't hear what we're trying to say. They'll put up a defense and they'll just be more defensive. 
So I'm not sure which, you know, who said it just a minute ago about how um, we are to, you know, to be able to be more relatable to, to people. And that we do have to be. And we, you know, as we go older, we become more mature and we have more wisdom. And in that, we can be able to teach others. But we still have to be teachable our own selves and willing to be teachable. And that's what we look for in other individuals. You know, we want them to be teachable, to know what it is, our experiences, the things that we have gone through. And we have to know the appropriate time to talk to the individual about it. We can't talk to them when they're all in the uproar because they're going to feel like they're going to feel like they're being attacked. We got to know when to, um, to say what it is that we need to say to our delivery and they can receive it, you know, to the fullest. Uh, Andre, what what are your thoughts related to bringing a reality to the drama-filled life of someone who cannot see that they, there's a spirit within them that is always allowing them to go off the handle or go off, you know, just not control their emotions? Show love. I think showing love conquers hate. And it, it conquers evil. It conquers anger. Uh, I think Miss Cheryl mentioned that um, her children, friends, call her mama because of the relationship that they have. And I venture to say that's because she's showing love. Uh, the gentleman uh, in, indicated that he's uh, demonstrating by behavior of how to show love by not doing certain things. Those are acts of love. And Dee has over um, over time shared with us over and over again how, you know, um, he honors uh, his wife and, um, you know, use life lessons to make sure that uh, he's teaching uh, all and modeling of the right. So, uh, James, we, we overcome the, the self-doubt and um, underestimating our value by someone loving us enough to continue to keep bringing out and and recognizing the good because we are all created by God and God created good. But sometimes we have to remind people and show people that um, they are of value, they are uh, important. And uh, it just takes a little extra time and and extra love and care for that person to uh, understand that. Right, James, can I, can I? Okay, go ahead, uh, D. Go ahead, D. Before you go to break, thank you. Before you go to break, uh, I just want to reiterate that you know sometimes we have to um, make the person in question aware that just because your life is where it is now doesn't mean that you can't change it. Um, my my circumstance got much better when I understood the principle that I can rewrite the rest of my story, that my story don't have to stay the way it is. So I think uh, having people understand that just because your story is the way it is now don't mean that it has to end that way. If we take the necessary steps to make changes, 
then change, uh, change will come. Thank you, James. All right, we're going to go to break, and we'll come back and give everybody an opportunity to have that final word.
and use this platform to let people completely understand your way of thinking. Uh, I want to just share with um, Audre that uh, she made me go in a different direction related to a little toy that she has at her home, and she was having so much fun with her little Echo that I found it necessary to invest in one myself. And I hope it's not too difficult for me to program it. Uh, but now I'm able to turn uh, one of my lights off and on, and I'm trying to get to the point that I can get the other things. And I'm looking forward uh, this upcoming year to have me a smart house and uh, make become a, uh, have my house become an intellectual place to live in. So thank you so much, Andre, uh, for letting me know what you had uh, experienced. Congratulations. Go ahead now, James. Hey, so I um I got me a second generation. I don't know what that means, but it sounded real uh special. So I I I, I hope it's an upgrade, but I don't know. <laughs> but uh uh it's gonna be fun to, to play with it. So uh uh Cheryl, what, what is your final thought this evening? Um, this was a very good show this evening. Um, I think the listeners will get a lot of valuable information. Um, I just, you know, as I continue to say, whatever we're doing, we can always do better. All right. And, and Audrey, I want to just thank you and, and Joyce for being back with us. Uh, we, Our thoughts and prayers were with you. And we look forward to everything going uh, in a positive direction as we start the new year. What is your final thought this evening? Well, thank you so much uh, from our entire family. We we thank you. Uh, we are back in Florida now, and uh, we're, we're thankful for that. Uh, my final words would be uh, let us continue to show love and let us encourage others. Uh, because as Dee said, the story isn't over until that last date follows the dash. So as long as the Lord continues to give you another day, uh, another day's journey, as some would say, uh, you have an opportunity. So, uh, again, love conquers all, and um, we can do our part by encouraging others along the way. I want to thank everybody for their um, support. I want to thank Mr. Williamson for uh uh, he's been trying to get in the last couple of days, and finally we got him on air. And uh, so we want to just thank him for being a new caller. And we just want to thank everybody for their continued support. And we will see you tomorrow uh, on Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Thoughts, Love, and Reflection as we deal with those things that impact our lives today and in the future. Take care, everybody. And see you tomorrow. Father, help your children. And don't let them fall by the side of the road.
Walk on through 